Well, matters of the heart we're going to talk about this morning. I don't know about you, um, I shared earlier, I was singing beautifully in the kitchen this morning. I'd had my quiet time, God had spoken to me, I was on fire, I was singing a, a delightful song. You know, just some days you're in the zone and it's just flowing. It's, you know what I'm talking about, Jackson? It's like the sound is echoing around the house. You're like, this is melodic, this is anointed. It's like angels are singing along with me. I was having that moment until my daughter came along and asked Dad, she was pleasant, she was, she was nice, Dad, who sings that song? I'm like, oh, that's nice, this is touching her heart, she's hearing it, she's quite interested. And I said, oh, the guy's name is so-and-so, and she goes, well, can you let him sing it? <laughs> Roasted and deflated in one moment. My son will sometimes say this as I'm singing, he'll say something like this, he'll go, hey, Dad, does that sound good in your head? And I go, yeah, it does, he goes, because it sounds terrible out in the real world here. Like, Fine, thank you very much. So to all the dads who know your voice is powerful and touching heaven, don't stop, just keep singing, keep singing loud and strong and proud. You know that there is between earth and heaven, there is an auto-tuner. This is my theological belief. And so what happens as the song goes up, it might start out of tune, but on the way, there's an angel. It has an auto-tuner. It comes out the other side in perfect pitch, in perfect tune, because we know God listens to the heart. Is that right? Come on, who knows? Who's hoping God listens to your heart more than your tune right now? All right. Speaking of listening to the heart, today we are talking about matters of the heart. I want to talk around this whole issue of transformation. Our vision as a church is that lives, that we would build this church so that Jesus Christ is glorified and lives are transformed. Lives are transformed. That's what we're all about, lives being transformed, about people uh, like Lani coming in and saying, I was spiritually bankrupt and I hit rock bottom and I needed to see, to see transformation. And I believe that there are five layers or levels. Everybody say layers. Everybody say ogres are like onions. Okay, there's just layers. You know what I'm talking about, Shrek fans. Okay, ogres are like onions. So we, we have layers. I believe transformation happens in layers. Lots of people think I'm going to come to church and I'm going to start be, uh, changing my behavior to be a better person to meet the standards that God has. But I've tried before to change my behavior and it, it, I can change it for a little while, but ultimately my behavior is actually an expression of things that are deeper in my life. And so the five layers of transformation is first spiritual. Your spirit gets transformed when you receive Christ into your life, as Lani talked about. You actually, you don't just become, you don't become a better person, you become a different person. The DNA of Jesus Christ gets born into you as you're spiritually born again and instantly transformation begins to happen in your life out of your spirit. Then out of that, often what happens is there have been demonic spirits that have attached to our life and our, our thoughts and our, our heart. And often what can happen as we get born again and we start to pray and meet God and, and we receive prayer is those things that have harassed us, held us down, bombarded our mind, they get broken off us in a moment of deliverance and we walk, we come into a new level of freedom. Like, oh, I'm not carrying that anymore. I'm free. That's the next layer. Born again, deliverance. Then your heart. 
is mighty powerful. I want to talk today about your heart. And so the transformation in your heart will bring transformation in, in our lives. Then your mind is also very powerful. The Bible says we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So to learning to think in a different way. Get it? You've got a playlist going around in your mind continually that's coming out of your heart, which is and it's connected to your spirit. And often demons will be bombarding your thinking, okay? So to transform your life, we need to renew our our thinking and then finally out of that we begin to shift and change our behavior I would say to anyone who comes to church don't worry so much about trying to be a better person just start drawing near to God just start building your relationship with God if you stuff up if you make mistakes don't worry about the behavior focus on your connection to God and he will bring transformation progressively in your life and so this morning I want to talk about the heart the heart. Proverbs 3 3 tells us that our heart is like a tablet. Uh, it's things have been written or chiseled into our heart. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says this: guard your heart above all else, because out of your heart um, flows or determines the course of your life. Another version says, uh, out of your heart flows the issues of life. Another version says, uh, the boundaries of your life are from your heart. If you've tried to go in a particular direction in your life and not be able to get there, more often than not, it's like we're trying to stand up and there's this ceiling on us. What's the ceiling? Lots of people blame everybody else and their circumstances is holding me back in life. If only they did this. If only they did that. If only it seems to work for them, but not for me. But so the Bible tells us this. My life is not what's happening to me. My life's what's flowing out of me. So I need to, rather than just try and change my behavior and circumstances, I need to let God get in and begin to change my heart. I can be praying one thing, I want to go this direction, but unless I let God work on my heart, my life will go in the direction of my heart. And that can be very frustrating after a while. So we've got to let God get into our heart. Jesus said it like this in Luke 6, a good person produces good things from the treasure of your heart. He goes on and says, but what you say flows from what is going on in your heart. Have you ever stopped and found yourself saying something really bad and then going, where did that come from? Uh-huh, uh-huh, it comes from our heart, components of our heart. So the words that we speak are really an overflow of what's going on in our heart. That's the, that's the deal. Now, now, here's the thing. We could become, as Christians particularly, but all of us, we can become experts at masking what's really been written on our heart. We can be brilliant behavior modifiers. We can be brilliant at image, uh, image control and, and you know, you, making sure people perceive us to be a certain way, but in reality, underneath and behind the scenes, there's all these thoughts going on sabotaging us in our hearts. And so today I want to talk about our heart. I want to talk about, now, you know, recently we've planted some fruit trees in our backyard. We've got these pot plants uh, they, and we, we put um, fruit trees in it and we put a lemon, a lime, a mandarin, an orange in those trees and it's, they're going brilliantly. I love watering them. All these little bits of fruit are starting to pop out and it's kind of exciting. And I, I want you to imagine uh, if after, after they've been going and they've borne a crop of fruit, if I went to the lemon tree and I stood there and I said well that's disappointing there's lemons I was really hoping for mandarins on the lemon tree you'd think I was crazy 
you'd go, no, John, of course, the fruit you're going to get is a reflection of the plant that you planted, which is a reflection of the seed that was sown. So we, the, the fruit comes from what's been sown. So many people in our lives, we can look at the fruit of our behavior and our emotions and think, why, I just need to change the fruit. But actually the problem is usually deeper than the external things that people see and the challenges we experience. The, the, it's not the fruit that's the problem, it's the root. It's the seeds that have been sown into our lives over many years that, and the words that have been chiseled and written onto our heart that now determine the fruit of our life. And I want to put something up here on the screen called behavioral issues. Uh, they, these are just a few things I've written down. And I, I'm praying this morning, even as I preach, that the Holy Spirit is going to help reveal things to us that have been written on our heart that are sabotaging our future, our relationships. And uh, many people, you might want to get your phone out and take a photo because I, I don't expect you completely to, to grab this in the moment. But here's, here's some behavioral issues. A person can't seem to take risks. Why can't I take risks? That's a behavioral thing. A person deals with anger over and over. Anger is a secondary emotion. Usually there's a deeper emotional issue going on that's causing anger. Maybe a person's controlling, can't accept coaching or feedback. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not inferior to you. A person might experience anxiety or isolate themselves, avoid conflict as, as much as possible, or not be able to say no to somebody. A person might be, uh, find themselves being critical and sarcastic, strongly opinionated, unable to commit, or Matthew McConaughey, failing to launch, uh, lazy in our lives. Why do I feel so lazy? What's going on? That's an external behavioral issue, deeper issues. Suicidal can be something that's going on. Negativity, always comparing to one to other people, complaining all the time. Can't receive, I can't receive gifts. People want to give me something. And I just For some reason, I can't seem to accept it. Uh, stingy, I can't be generous to others. Uh, I can't receive a compliment. Someone gives me a compliment and I just, I don't believe it. Why can't I accept that compliment? Maybe I'm overly competitive, not just competitive, but overly competitive. We'll talk to that a little later. Uh, maybe a, a compulsive spender just cannot seem to stop spending. It's a behavioral issue. Maybe there's addictions that, that I can't seem to break. Those addictions could be, uh, could be a workaholic, could be a, an addiction to some sort of substance or pornography or, or particular abusive relationships. I'm addicted to those things. Maybe a person finds themselves being abusive or struggles to receive abundance, just struggles to be blessed. These are, and there's so many more things that I could write down. Maybe a person struggles to trust men, trust people in authority. Uh, there are, and these are all fruit of something deeper that's gone on and even as we're talking about this this morning i'm praying that you'll you'll realize and can i just suggest that this morning is an elbow free zone that means when one comes up that you think your spouse has got it's not an elbow zone okay it's it's a look at your own heart morning today it's not a oh wow he just read out 17 different things off your list this morning this is going to be really good for you no that's not what we're doing here today so tuck your elbows in and point at your own heart here today these are behavioral issues all right so here's the thing these are behavioral issues and what we can find is we can, we can try and identify and deal with these issues on a behavioral level. And it can, there, there can be things that we can learn. We can learn that, okay, when anxiety hits, 
And when I feel those physical symptoms in my body and I'm feeling anxious, maybe there are some things I can do. I might learn to breathe deeply. I might learn to, re, to refocus. There, there might be some, some practical things that I can do on a behavioral level. If I've got anger issues, maybe I've got to learn to sit on my hands, go for a walk, go and punch the boxing bag, whatever it might be. And they're, they're behavioral issues for transformation. But if we only ever try and deal with behavioral issues and don't get down to, that's the fruit, we're like, well, just pick that fruit, pick that fruit, pick that fruit. If we don't go, no, I've got to get deeper, then we'll find that we never will have long-lasting change and we'll only ever get frustrated at about our, our ability to be transformed. I've seen people and I've known friends who have come out to an altar call over and over trying to break an addictive pattern and crying and weeping and repenting over this, this addiction that they've got. God, I'm never going to do it again. And it's genuine and it's heartfelt. But then find themselves a week later doing the same thing. Realize and, and go, oh, I'm trying really hard to do some new things on a behavioral level. Not realizing that what's got to happen is not just behavioral, but I've got to look at the thinking in my mind I've got to look at the condition of my heart. I've got to look at what demonic spirits have attached to those things to get free from. And I've got to look at God being the source of life and His fruit flowing into my life. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. When He comes and lives in your heart, He begins a process of transformation that will happen for the rest of our life. Here's the, here's the good news. Until we get to heaven, we're on a journey of unpacking the layers of our life to get healed and transformed and to become more like Christ. So that means there's never going to be a moment where you go, big day I became perfect there's never going to be a moment big day I was completely totally free of every scarring issue that I've ever experienced no we're going to learn God's going to give us keys he's going to bring healing we're going to be working on things for the rest of, for the rest of our lives when we get to heaven we're going to become perfect so turn to your neighbor and just say uh you got a long way to go it's okay you got a long way to go it's okay all right, so they're the behavioral issues. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the heart issues. So if that's the fruit, let's talk about the, the roots, the heart issues. These, are, these can be the things that are written on our heart. And you know what? You might never actually pick it about somebody that's that well hidden, that well masked. We can, we can project confidence where we're, whereas we're feeling we're not good enough. We can, pre, we can project uh, social friendships whereas we might feel on our heart rejected. A lot of our problems on the behavioral level come from, what, from something touching this button in my heart, this trigger in my heart that makes me flare up and behave a certain way. So here's some heart issues. And again, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you highlight to us what are our issues today that you want to bring healing? Okay, we can feel rejected. We can have been abandoned. We can feel disconnected. We can feel like we're a failure. We might have been betrayed, abused, feel like we're helpless, feel constantly guilty. We might feel inadequate, invalidated, defective, inferior, unloved, like we don't measure up, devalued we might feel like we're not good enough that we're unaccepted that we're being judged that we that we are humiliated that we have shame written on our heart that we've been ignored or we're insignificant or that we're alone you might feel controlled you might feel out of control you might feel that you've been cheated that you're worthless 
that you're unimportant, that you're powerless, that you're not a priority. Other things, you might feel like you've been continuously overlooked or you've been forgotten. These things could be from a person. They could be feelings that you have from God. But through something in our lives, things have been chiseled into our heart. They, they can be through, and you know, the th we're talking some negative things here today. We've got positive things that have been written on our heart. Things that have been spoken into our life and they become, the, they, they actually help us bounce back when we have a setback. So there's, there's positive and negative. I'm focusing on the negative because usually our behavioral challenges flow out of our mindsets and our heart issues. And so even as we read those out, so where do these things get written on our heart? Well, they'll come from experiences, positive or negative. They'll come from um, trauma, can particularly, a, a significant trauma can, can just stamp something on your heart. Uh, some things can come over a period of time from the atmosphere you've, you've grown up in. You, you grew up and your dad worked 80 hours a week and he was never there. And so that wrote on your heart, this is how a man behaves. Someone, all sorts of things so that, that can be atmosphere, can be from example. It can be from teaching. You went to a church in your school and a certain thing was taught over and over. And after a while, it's just become ingrained and it's now written on your heart. Uh, it can be words that were spoken. Words have power. Words from people in authority, particularly or others, and those words can have pierced through and written something about you on your heart. Uh, it can be from all sorts of loss or, or other things. And here's the interesting thing. When something gets written on our heart, when something gets written in our, in our thinking, because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, we don't just think in our mind, we also think in our heart. And even whenever you hear a preacher or someone talking, your heart is running commentary on what's being said. You're, you're, you're hearing it at this level and it's coming in through your ears and it's going in to, through your, your, your brain as the hardware, your mind as the software. It's coming in through your mind, but your heart can be hearing it and making a commentary and actually if our heart's been hardened, just rejecting it and saying, well, I know you're saying that, but that doesn't work for me. And it's a subconscious thing. We're not aware of it, but it's been written on our heart. And so the journey of transformation is not just trying to change our behavior or our outcomes. It's actually letting God come and change our heart. So when I look at those things up there, the, the, three, the three things from my upbringing and my experiences and trauma and, and different areas on the negative side is the feeling of being rejected, the feeling of being inferior, and the feeling of, of, feel, of being guilty. I grew up in a great Christian house and two weeks ago I shared the story of my, uh, my wonderful Christian parents and, and my relationship with my dad and, and uh, so much good things that I've grown up with and, but, but how for me one missing link in my family was, the, was the, um, the sense of not a lot of verbal affirmation. So I never really heard the I love you or, or the things that I'm good at from my parents. What I did hear, what was written on my heart from my parents is you've got a, you've got a significant destiny. You've got, you've got a, a great purpose for your life. I don't know, I can't remember a specific moment, but both through their words and their affirmation and then the, ch the church I'd attend and conferences. I remember being in conferences and people turning around to me and prophesying over me about my future. So it doesn't matter what's happened in my life, my heart always tells me, you've got a significant destiny. You've got a significant purpose. That's been something that's been written on my heart since a young person and is still on my heart. And just let me, I'll let you into a little secret. It's one of my goals as your pastor 
is that your heart will have written on it that you have a significant purpose, that you have a significant destiny. I want you to come into a church and, and hear the voice of your Father in heaven saying, I created you for a purpose. I'm going to connect you to the right people to fulfill your purpose. And you're going you're to make a difference on planet Earth in that purpose and calling of your life. That's what we want our heart as your pastors is, okay? So that's a positive that's been written on my heart. But my, the lack of affirmation led for me when I, I left primary school. I was the king of the crop in primary school. Uh, I, was, I was the best at sport. I was smart. I had heaps of friends. I left primary school and I went into a totally different school where I knew nobody in high school, in the grammar school. And as I went into it, it was like I started to get chewed up. We, were the, we would have been the poorest family at that school off a farm area. Uh, the, the kids who were there were bright, they were smart, and it was, it was like I'd got fed to the lions. Both teachers and students, now we'd call it bullying, and then I didn't know what it was. I'd just be criticized, there'd be sarcasm, I'd be paid out on in all different levels. And so for, for three years for me, without a, a strong sense in my heart of confidence and affirmation, what really got, began to hit me was I began to feel inferior, and I began to feel rejected. The other thing for me is I talked about feeling guilty, and this really came from, I guess, a, a bit of a religious background. I would feel guilty. I'd feel like God, I, God was not happy with me until I'd done certain things, and I had to earn His happiness. I had to earn His love. That meant I, didn't, I, I struggled to prosper. I, str I struggled to feel like God wanted to bless me. I, I felt guilty when I started to get blessed. I was a good church kid, and so I thought, I, I really actually thought, I, when I come and pray before God, He's not happy until I've confessed every sin, sin I can think of because there was a sense of guilty written across my heart. So what that did for me, those three things, that meant in, when it came to behavioral issues, there'd be, these, they'd be, they'd be the sort of things I'd experience, anxiety. Because I feel like, oh, I'd avoid conflict because I'd feel like if I go into, now I, I know this now at the time, I didn't realize why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling like if there's conflict and, and we're disagreeing about something, even in our relationship, why am I feeling all weird? Well, it's because I feel like I'm being rejected at this moment. I, why, why am I critical and sarcastic of people? Why do I pull them down? Well, it's because I'm pulling myself down internally. And so to make myself be feel better about people, I'm going to pull them down so that I can make myself feel better. Why am I opinionated about people? This is coming out of what's been written on my heart. I find people who are the most critical and judgmental of others. I find myself judgmental because I felt like God was judging me. And so what's in my heart is now flowing out in my behavior, in my relationships. And, and God is gracious and He's taken me on a journey over numbers of years. One of them, I said I'd come back to it, I found myself being overly competitive. Now I'm competitive, I think it's part of my nature, but being overly competitive, if you feel inferior, the way to, to, to make up for that is to win. So then it's a win at all costs. So I'm going to win because, and then if I don't win, I'm going to tear you down because I'm trying to make myself feel better about myself. How many are enjoying my therapy session this morning? This just, 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 just to help you out. All right. So these, these are issues that all of us will struggle with on different levels. We can mask, we can pretend they're not there, but God wants to go deeper in us to bring healing to us because He wants to bring transformation so that we're not smiling to everybody on the outside, but internally we're having all this war going on with our heart, our mind, and demonic spirits coming against us. So I want to talk this morning then, how do we get transformation in our hearts? How does God transform our hearts? So this is what, this is what I want to talk about. First of all, uh, is that the Lord wants to help us identify what actually has been written on our heart and how it got there. 
This is really my prayer that for this morning and then on an ongoing basis and we, we run freedom groups that really are built around this whole idea of how do I find what's been written on my heart how did it get there and how is it affecting me in my life? And so how, how do you do that? How do I find what's been written on my heart? Well, it really starts with a relationship with God. I love this. The, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, when we get born again, He comes and lives in our hearts. And Jesus said, I'm going to begin to, uh, I'm going to, begin to heal up your broken heart that's been broken through all sorts of different things. So the Holy Spirit comes, and this is what the Bible says, Romans 5, 5. He pours the love of God into our heart. That's what He wants to do for you and I. No matter what, how broken, how painful, how, how dented our heart's been from what life's thrown at us, the Holy Spirit wants to come and pour the pure love of God into our heart so that we can have this peace and love in our heart that's going to begin to transform us. How do I identify it? Well, you, we just ask. We just say, Holy Spirit, what's been written on my heart that's a lie that you want to remove so that that is not the ceiling, the boundary on my life? I don't want my life to go in that direction anymore. I don't want to go from broken relationship to broken relationship anymore. I want to change my life, so I need to change my heart. Holy Spirit, would you help identify? And you'll find it can come in a whisper. Some of you, when I put those words up there, one or two things jumped out at you and in your mind you try and rationalize no 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 no, that's not my issue but actually on the inside you're like i feel not good enough why do i feel not good enough so then the journey begins you start to ask the holy spirit why why do i feel uh, like i'm unloved why do i feel like i can never measure up why do i feel like i'm always in someone else's shadow why do i feel like i'm always over overlooked and you can begin to ask, why do I feel like I can never be successful? Why do I feel like I can never break through finance? Why do I have those feelings, Lord? And you'll begin, if you ask Him, to show you. You might find you have a dream. Literally, you'll have a dream and the Holy Spirit will take you back to a memory or a moment of, of, of something, that an experience that you had that wrote something on your heart. You might, it might be really obvious to you. You're like, I know why I'm like, I have this written on my heart because my dad said it for 15 years. Or my, my mom said it. Or I know why I feel abandoned because my dad abandoned me when I was four years old. That's why abandonment's written on my heart. And I've coped and overcompensated on another way, but I actually need God to come and get down to this layer to bring healing to me. So it might be through a dream. It might be a picture. It might be a flash. It might be something. I remember for me, when, when I began to get aware of what's going on in my heart, and I'm like, why do I, why do I keep, I don't like it, but why do I keep being sarcastic? Why do, I keep, uh, why do I keep pulling people down? And, and I remember standing at the front of it, this church on an altar call and God beginning to show me faces and remind me of names of guys in grade 7 and grade 8 at school and teachers and say, it's because of what happened through them that you feel like this and now you've got to actually forget, you've got to deal with this. God identified it for me and I believe he can identify it for you. Sometimes it'll be in church. Sometimes it'll be quiet moments alone. Sometimes it'll be seeing a counselor or a pastor or in a small group or doing a freedom course or something and the Holy Spirit will just go, here's, here's today's issue. He's really kind. He won't go, here's all the issues. Here's today's issue. Let's deal with this issue because this is what you're behaving out of. So this, this is the identifying. What's, what's been sown into my heart? Him over my life but now the fruit is growing and rather than just trying to deal with the fruit I've got to go back to the root and get it out of my heart 
So that's the identify. The second thing is if we're going to move into a place of freedom in our heart, we need, to, we need to be able to release whatever it is or was or who put that thing in my heart. They wrote it. Because usually what happens is there's the words on my heart, but under the words is some level of pain. And so we've got to learn to find a way to release the pain. Because if we don't release the pain, it's still in there and that's what happens. So I, I feel unworthy because of all of the, or I feel ashamed because of all of these things that happen. And I just, you, you can even confess, confess, confess to change your mindset. But if you don't deal with your heart, you'll find that it's, the heart's the problem because it's the heart that feeds the mind, not the other way around. I've got to get back to my heart. And so you can confess and confess and confess, but actually what happens is I've got to get that pain out because every now and then someone just bumps the pain. And, I, and then I go, and I'm like, why did I react like that? Well, they hit the button of my vulnerability. They, they triggered something in my heart that I've tried to bury. And I don't know why I acted like that, but obviously I can't just isolate myself so I don't act like that for the rest of my life. I've got to go to work on my heart. God wants us to go to work on our hearts. So how do we do it? We release. The release is this. The first thing we need to release is we need to release the pain. They pretend it's not there. This is what I find. I'm like, oh, no, I dealt with that. I dealt with that. I'm, I'm all good. I forgave them. I moved on. And the Lord's like, mm-mm, you didn't deal with that. You still got pain. You, you recognized it. You identified it, but you still got pain associated with it. And so you need to get the pain out. How do I get the pain out? Well, this is the, here's the great thing. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He wants to help get the pain out. So he, he will come and you can go, all right, Lord, the, the presence of God is a beautiful way for, for pain to be released. The altar, at the end of this service, I'm going to open up the altar and you can come out and people can pray for you and, and God can, he can just begin to like put the drain on and get the pain out. Just get it out. And so the way you do it is recognize it, acknowledge it. I, I feel pain because of this. We can disconnect from the emotions of the pain, but the way healing comes is we reconnect with the emotion, which is painful okay and it can be ugly tears that's okay because God's saying that's the way I get the pain out you know what the Bible says in Psalms he says he bottles every tear that's because God cares about the pain in your heart so many people come to church and start to touch God's presence in worship and, exp and they just start to cry what? and people who are not criers why am I crying crying is how pain leaves our soul it's God's way of washing pain out of us. So embrace it. I know people who cried for the first 12 months in church. And it's like, here we go. I'm going for therapy. The, the girls are like, I won't even bother with mascara. I'm just going to church to get some healing. Come on. Some of the guys, no, anyway. just. Uh, but we, we come in and pain, tears is pain leaving the body. Okay, so we recognize it. Maybe we're talking to a pastor in a group. Uh, maybe, maybe it's with a counselor, whatever it might be. I'm talking about that pain. I'm feeling it. I'm letting it out. I've done this uh, for, for Dan and I. We saw some counselors a number of years ago. It was so, I'll tell you what, it was emotionally draining, but it was so freeing to get pain out. Um, and so uh, one way I've learned to get pain out from my heart is to write. I write letters. Well, it sounds like I do it all the time, but I, I've written letters. People who have hurt me, people who have falsely accused me, people who have betrayed me, different things. I've written letters. Now, I never send a letter. That's a really important tip. Okay, I never, you can write a letter to someone who's not even alive. 
because it's your way of getting the pain out of what they've done and acknowledge and, and just write it. And I've, I've been amazed at how free I can feel once I've got the pain out by writing a letter to someone and how, how different it is. At the end, I forgive you, I release you, I let go of you. Uh, so we let the pain out. Sometimes we need to, it, it, when we've done something ourselves and we're ashamed of it, we just need to repent. The way our hearts get transformed is to own it, not blame everybody else. Just go, that was my fault. That was my issue. And I'm repenting of that, God. Would you forgive me? One of the most powerful ways for healing to happen to our heart is to forgive. There's no shortcut to, for, for healing when, when someone, usually the, what's been written on our heart has, and the trauma and pain is because of something somebody else did to us. And so we need to recognize it. And rather, here's the thing. Often we can make the mistake that, um, oh, but if I forgive them, I'm just saying it's okay what they did. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying that was not okay, but I'm not going to be your judge about that. I'm giving you over to God. And I'm, I'm, rather than, here's what happens. While, while I don't forgive someone, I keep them in my heart. I just keep the pain in my heart. But if I can forgive them, and just Jesus did it at the cross, I forgive them right in the moment. They don't know what they're doing. They're crucifying me, but I forgive them. So the power of forgiveness is, is a way that we release that out of our, out of our lives. Uh, sometimes we need to renounce the lie. I've accepted this lie that I'm inferior. I've accepted it. I need to let it go. I need to release it. God, I renounce that lie. I am not inferior. I need to actually sometimes repent for agreeing with the lie and accepting it. Lord, I'm sorry. I believed a lie that I'm unworthy, but you make me worthy. I repent of my agreement with this lie. Sometimes we, then in terms of forgiveness, we don't just forgive someone, but we ask God to help us pray for them until what we feel is we want the best for them rather than we, we want God to smite them, okay? That might be how we start. But eventually, here's what happens. God, when you start to pray for someone, God shows you, you know, the reason they did that is because what happened to them. The reason they spoke to you that way is because of what happened to them. You may have heard the expression, hurt people hurt people. So people hurt us because of the pain that they've carried in their heart. And so what we've got to do is break the cycle and say, God, I forgive them. And would you bring healing into their life? I pray for the blessing of God in their life. You know you're healed when you can pray it and you feel it. So how long do I need to pray that? Until you feel it. Then when you feel it, you're like, okay, I don't need to pray that anymore. I've got free from that trap in my heart. We're we doing okay here this morning. Can I, I'm going to get the keyboardist to come on up here and help me out. The, 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 the third thing is to rewrite our heart. So for me, I talked about this, the feeling of inferiority. For whatever reason, what happened to me created in me a feeling of I'm not as good as other people around my life. I created that, that inferiority meant that I, I found myself comparing myself to other people quite a lot. Uh, that, that inferiority meant I, I was criticizing other people and, and justifying, well, they're doing really good, but it's just because of this, this, and this. And I'd always have a but around what, when someone was doing well. Now, when you're a pastor with an inferiority complex, that also leads to challenges. So I would find that I'd, I, you know, God would use me and I'd preach on a Sunday and it would go really well. And then this thing called social media came along. 
And I'd look at someone else's social media and it's like, oh, we had a great Sunday and I felt like God used me. And then Monday, oh, here's someone with 50,000 people in their church and 50,000 have got saved. Like, you know what I mean? It's just social media, the best angle, the biggest crowd. And, and it's almost like in that moment of comparison, the button, the trigger of my heart of feeling inferior would get triggered. And I remember numerous Mondays when the emotional low of giving out hit where I'd, th that button would get triggered in my heart my mind would just be going crazy and then the devil comes in and bombards me with these thoughts so I'm blessed because God showed to me what was the so I was well aware of the fruit I don't want to keep living like this something's got to get changed and then I began to work on my confession and that's really important but I really need to go to my go to the heart and so I, as I began to go to the heart, I realized, okay, who I needed to forgive, who I needed to release, and I went through that journey. And then this ongoing journey continued for me where God said, now you've released that, you've released what's written on your heart, you need to rewrite it. The Bible talks about God wants to come and write His Word on your heart. And so here's what God did to me six years ago, very kindly, I read this scripture, and it said this, it said, and I am not inferior to the most eminent of apostles. And as I read it, I felt the Lord speak to me and said, this is for you. There's an apostolic purpose for your life, an apostolic call for your life. And I want you to take that verse and c confess it over and over and let it get into your heart that you're not inferior, but I've actually, I've, you're exactly what you need to be for the call I've got on your life. It's only a self-perception that I need to heal. So I'd released all this pain, but now I've got to go to work on rewriting. So I made that my morning uh, for, a number of, for a couple of years. I made that my morning part of my prayer. I just kept saying, Lord, I'm not inferior to the most eminent of apostles. I listed eight different people around the world who I considered ap apostolic leaders doing awesome things for God. I'm not inferior to this person. I'm not inferior to that person. I'm not inferior to these people. I would confess it because I'm writing the word of God on my heart. And this is what the Bible says. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, God. So here's how your mind gets renewed by the words of your mouth. What you speak will literally reprogram your, your mind. Your heart gets transformed by what you meditate on. This is why sometimes what you're watching and feeding on is literally meditation and it's getting into your heart. So what you're watching and feeding on becomes important. So the Lord was really kind to me. As I was praying about this, I, one, one time after prayer, he just gave me a picture. And in the picture, Jesus came along on a horse, white horse. He was fitted out for battle. It was like he's the commander of the armies of heaven. He fitted out for battle. He jumped off the horse. There was a whole group of us standing there. He had like armor on. And he came and he walked through the crowd in my picture that I could see. And as he walked through the crowd, he came towards me. It's a little bit like when sporting teams are getting picked. And he walked through. And he came up to me and he tapped me on the chest and he said, I pick you. And he grabbed me and he walked me back. He jumped on his horse. He put me on the back of the horse and he said, let's go. I've got an assignment for you. That picture has now become what I meditate on that's given me so much confidence. Does that mean I don't struggle with feelings every now and then? Every now and then something will trigger inferiority in my heart. But I've learned, I've got to look at my confession and then meditate on what the Lord's shown me. Here's what some of us are going to experience today or over coming weeks as you make this your journey this month as we make a, the, the matters of, of the heart. You're going to find as you pray, God's going to show you what caused what's written on your heart. 
you're going to go on the journey of being released and then he's going to give you scriptures that you can rewrite on your heart and he's going to give you pictures some of you are going to have pictures of Christ on the cross and what he did every every issue written on your heart Jesus has experienced and dealt with he's been betrayed he's been rejected he's been abandoned by his father he's been abused he's been shamed he's been tormented everything that we could have gone through Jesus has gone through at the cross so that we can exchange what's been put on our heart for him and he can rewrite our heart and my prayer is that all of us have an experience with the Lord where he shows you something and I want us to close our eyes right now right across this place Jesus I thank you there's healing in this place there's freedom in this place your power is in this place Thank you for freedom. Thank you for your touch. Right now, if the Lord's showing you what's been written on my heart that needs to be rewritten, I just want you to raise your hand and say that God's been showing me some stuff today. Things that have been written on my heart that need to get rewritten. So many people, amazing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd reveal to us your words that you want to write. Give us your pictures that we can meditate on to see ourselves. He might take you back to being a little child and show you exactly how he was in the moment of your pain that he wants to bring healing. But he's a healer. The Holy Spirit wants to pour love into our heart. Right now, while we're coming to a close, I want every eye closed for a little bit longer. I'm wondering, this morning I said the greatest transformation happens in our life when we connect to the source of life, when we connect to God, when we, when we recognize that we've drifted away from Him like Lani, that we're spiritually bankrupt, that we've gone our own way, and we go, God, I'm turning to you today. In a moment, I'm just going to ask you, if you're saying, John, I want to turn to God today. In a moment, if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to simply raise your hand, and we're going to pray together. And in that prayer, God's going to come and live in your life. His Holy Spirit's going to come and live in your heart and pour love, acceptance, hope, and purpose into your life. You might be in a crisis right now and you know in your heart the only way out is through God. Maybe you're just searching spiritually because you know something's missing and you're on a spiritual search. And today, can I, can I encourage you, this prayer we're about to pray will be a connection to God that will change everything. You might have once walked with God, been brought up in a Christian home, but you've drifted away from God. Today's the day to come home again to Christ, to come into that relationship with Him. Or maybe you're just not sure if when you die, you're going to go to heaven. I'd love to pray for you to be sure. So right across this room right now, if this is you, your heart knows I need to connect with God again, or I just need to build that relationship with Him. I need Him to come and bring healing into my life. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? You're saying, John, that's me today. I need to connect with God. I need to get right with God. Just raise it up real high if that's you. So this is me today. I need to connect with God. I want to get right with Him. I want to come back to Him. I've drifted. Maybe you're like the prodigal son. You've squandered it and you've gone away. But today you can feel God saying, come on, come back. Come on, come back. Get right with me today. Today is your day to connect with God. If that's you, just in your seat, raise your hand and we're going to pray a prayer together. I'd love to lead you in that prayer. Wherever you are, 
wherever you are. All right, we're good. Father, I thank you for the great work you're doing. Can we stand to our feet right now, the great work you're doing in every heart? I'm going to hand back to Jeremy in a moment. And if you want prayer, we're just going to open up the altar so our team can pray. Don't walk away from the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. It's a powerful work. Let's embrace it together. Thanks, man.